0: As soon as it was light next morning, Yu was off again to the girls' room, shuffling along in his slippers and with a gown thrown loosely round his shoulders. The maids Nightingale and Kingfisher were not yet about, and their two young mistresses still lay fast asleep under the covers. Yu was tightly cocooned in a quilt of apricot-coloured damask, the picture of tranquil repose. Xiangyun, by contrast, lay with her hank of jet-black hair tumbled untidily beside the pillow a white arm with its two gold bracelets thrown carelessly outside the bedding and two white shoulders exposed above the peach pink coverlet which barely reached her armpits.
1: Welcome back to another installation of Rereading the Stone. This is Kevin Wilson, joined as always by William Jones. Will, how's it going?
0: Super. How about you?
1: Another great day. Another excellent chapter, right? So we're on chapter 21 of the Qing dynastic classic, Dream of the Red Chamber. Uh, And it's getting pretty exciting. How about we jump right into a maybe a recap and then kind of first impressions? What do you think?
0: Sh- sure. So we're in this section of the novel, which is a lot about domestic affairs and various uh, interactions between different characters. You know, we're we're starting to see some of the characters get a bit more kind of fleshed out. So even though there aren't necessarily big important plot points happening, we're learning about uh, people's character and. The dynamics in various different relationships so in the last chapter we had uh, the chapter begins with an argument between the character nanny li and the maid servant aroma uh, hua xi so aroma is one of the maids to our central character jia baoyu um, who's a you know he's a teenage boy of a, of a noble household so one of his maid servants she's she's fallen sick with a a kind of fever, and she's tucked up in bed, kind of sweating it out, getting through the fever. Um, And Nanny Lee, who was formerly Baoyu's um, why have I forgotten this word? (laughs) Formerly Baoyu's wet nurse. Wet nurse. nurse, um, (laughs) uh, She comes in and um, she thinks that Aroma, uh, that Shiyuran, is um, disrespecting her. And so she begins kind of shouting at her and castigating her. And in this argument, she gets kind of more and more aggravated and and, and kind of almost theatrical um, before she has to be taken away. Um, And in that, we kind of see this conflict between different servants within the household whose respective positions have kind of changed significantly. and, And they're kind of struggling to adjust to that, I suppose. Anyway, during this chapter we see, you know, all sorts of different members of the household kind of at leisure because this is set during the period around Chinese New Year when not much work is going on, there's not really much business to attend to so people are are kind of playing, relaxing, doing this and that. And one of the things that the characters do is play card games and and other similar games uh, and they gamble a little bit at the same time. And one of the young members of the household... Um, Jia Huan, who's the younger half brother of our main character, uh, Jia Baoyu. And he, unlike Baoyu, isn't born of the wife of his father. He's born of the concubine mm-hmm. of his father. And because of that, he holds a kind of slightly lower status in the house. Anyway, he's gambling with some of the other kind of children and young people of the household. And he initially does well and makes a bit of money. Uh, and then he ends up losing it all. And when he does so, he kind of loses his temper and has a bit of a tantrum and accuses um, people of cheating him out of his money. Um, and again, he has to be kind of coddled and, and, and packed off. And while this is going on, his, his older half-brother, um, Yu turns up, tries to make things better and inevitably makes things worse. Um mm. And then in the later part of the chapter, we see a uh, an argument between Yu and his cousin-slash-love interest, um, Lin Dayu. And this is one of the kind of classic scenes between them in the the romance that kind of runs through the novel, where we see Dayu's kind of somewhat jealous nature... Um, and the way that she can very easily be kind of set off into a into a real rage. Um, and in this case, the cause of her upset is that Yu has been spending time with his other female cousin and other love interests, uh, Xue Baochai. And um, we were speaking about it on the last episode. You know, the, the quarrel begins with her asking what he's been up to. And within 30 seconds, it's escalated to her saying that she wished she was dead, mm-hmm. you know, and <laughs> and all this kind of thing. Anyway, midway through the argument, he's wished away to go and have um, uh, tea with his cousin, Shi uh, Xiangyun, um, who's just arrived. Now, she's a, a young girl, you know. I think we imagine her as maybe being about nine or ten years old. She's slightly younger than Bao Yu and the other, the other young folks. Um, and he stays just as long as it's polite to, and then scurries off again to see her so that they can continue the argument. And they're in the midst of doing so when this cousin, Shi Xiangyun, arrives and manages through, I guess, her kind of slightly playful nature to puncture that atmosphere of of tension that exists between them. And the way that she does this is she has a, a slight speech impediment, in in the chinese it's that she confuses the words i and r um but in the hawks because this is difficult to translate he he gives her a lisp and you know i think that that works very well and this causes baoyu and daiyu to to kind of slightly mock and ridicule her and so she she mocks them mm-hmm. in turn um particularly she see she says she hopes that daiyu ends up marrying mm-hmm. a husband with a speech impediment <laughs> and this sends her off into a rage, um, but before Daiyu can grab her, uh, she dashes out of the room, uh, and that's that's more or less where the previous chapter ends. Um, <laughs> in in this chapter, we see yeah this, the, the argument kind of spill over, but it's all kind of resolved in good humour. Mm. And again, chapter twenty one, it's mostly domestic affairs, similar kind of I suppose uh, atmosphere mm. to the okay, previous yeah. chapter. Um, um, we see um, a couple of different things happen. Firstly, you know, the following day, while everyone else is still asleep, Bao Yu wakes up early and he sort of sneaks into the bedchamber of uh, of his cousin Dai Yu. And also this other cousin, uh, Xiang Yun, is, is sleeping there as well. And in a scene that to me reads as a little bit creepy but which maybe is not necessarily intended that way he kind of silently observes them sleeping and then once they wake up he kind of hangs around with them as they they kind of do their their morning routine they're you know washing their faces and brushing their hair and following this Yu returns to his chambers and he gets into an argument with his maid uh xiren aroma who who we we just mentioned earlier Um, with whom he's in a a kind of um, sexual relationship Um, and she is in the kind of process of trying to correct some of his worst um, worst behavioral traits Um, but she's maybe getting frustrated that it's not working and so she is kind of treating him she's mostly ignoring him and when she does speak to him she treats him with this kind of attitude of 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 contempt which he finds very kind of confusing um, and it makes him kind of angry, so that they 're kind of constantly arguing, I suppose, and so he kind of sends off Aroma and the other other maids and demands to be waited on by um, a different maid servant who's who 's just kind of arrived in the household and in the kind of fit of pique, he is reading this um, one of these classical works of chinese philosophy the, the Zhuangzi um which is yeah it's a, it's it's taoist philosophy um and he makes he kind of sort of plagiarises or, or adapts one of the passages um to make it about um the situation that he's in uh and uses it i suppose as a way to kind of um attack and criticize all of these various women in his mm-hmm. life who make his you know make his life difficult and uh that's subsequently found by uh, Dayu his his cousin and, and love interest who writes a kind of a poem in response which kind of skewers his pompous and, and foolish attitude
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> nice
0: and then in the final passage in the final passage of the chapter we move to a different part of the family so we move to uh the couple uh Lien and Wang Xifeng so uh Jia Lian is uh, one of the men of the household Um, and Wang Xifeng is his wife Um, and she is this, you know, rather kind of, she's a sort of dynamo you know, she's one of the characters that we've come to know most so far in the book, she's involved in running the household, she's kind of full of energy, she's very um, intelligent and witty and also kind of rather fiery in her temperament Um, anyway, she and uh Jaliyan have recently had a young daughter Chalgia and the the young daughter has caught smallpox and as part of the the kind of prescription for curing her um they have to you know give her various medicines but also you know they have to pray to the smallpox goddess and they have to abstain from sex for 12 days and to ensure this the husband, Jialian has to leave the bedchamber and sleep in a different part of the house. And he uses this opportunity, or he uses this situation rather, as as an opportunity to sleep with one of the servants. Um, so there's a the wife of one of the chefs of the household. Um line is um this kind of pretty, flirtatious young woman, um who at some time or another has had sex with most of the men in the household and Jialian has had his eye on her for a long time uh, but never been able to do anything and now at last he gets his chance um, and then at the very tail end of the chapter there's a scene where his infidelity is discovered by his wife's maidservant, mm-hmm. Patience, uh, Ping R mm-hmm. in Chinese um, but she agrees, perhaps against her better judgment to conceal um, her knowledge from Wang Xifeng, from her, her mistress. Um, and that is more or less where the chapter ends.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay, great. So I guess just to give you a break from uh, speaking so much, I'll give my first, (laughs) my first impressions first. So, I I mean, this is, uh, I, I say this is an important chapter, even though it might seem like it's, um, heavily loaded with the kind of the the day-to-day, the incidental, like, elements of life in this household, in this, you know, compound, basically, right? A lot of iconic things happen here, especially with Bao Yu. That's really where my attention sort of found itself this week. The way he's sort of, you know, pulled about by his different um, sort of personal and love interests reminded me a lot of uh, sort of the fate you know, foretold in chapter five in the the Wang Ningmei, the uh the frowning brows uh poem, where he, this idea of his his heart's disparate concerns and his only sort of uh solace was in yeah this pre Han kind of uh classic Taoist text, the Zhuangzi. uh and it's kind of this interesting passage that sort of reflects upon his own Situation.
0: I think it's it's funny, isn't it, that he seeks solace in in the Zhuangzi and in Taoism, because this is probably the third time now that we've we've had that you know the the sense of when men grow tired of the of the material world and and you know human affairs, they find solace in in Taoism. You know, mm-hmm. it happened with Junxi in at the the end of chapter one, mm-hmm. um, and of course. Uh, Jia Jing, the, the kind of most senior man in the, the Ning branch of the, of the household.
1: Mm-hmm. And we're going to see uh, Bao Yu later later on become also sort of uh, enamored with uh, uh, Buddhist imagery, you know, and Buddhist conceptions of like emptiness and, and what, what have you. Um, I guess you could say there is a little bit of uh, uh, the character Miao Yu, um, adamantia in, in the Hawks uh could also maybe be said to be maybe the the female version of uh, uh of taking refuge in religious institutions uh, but beyond that um so there 's a lot of really important details here the uh incident with uh is really important uh and kind of um i think also foreshadows a lot of um issues and dynamics that are gonna uh like that are gonna arise, particularly between um between him and uh Xifeng. And so yeah, this this does seem like a critical chapter while it also has a bit of the feel of the, you know, this is kind of just everyone's just sort of lazing about. I guess this is another sort of idol uh maybe a little bit like chapter seven in that way. A bit of like a, a glimpse of uh an idol household and the idol elite and their the 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 idol serving class of that elite.
0: Yeah, yeah. I feel like you can't have you know grand important po- points every single chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's there's got to be there's got to be those kind of in between times, and I think that that's where we are in the story at the moment. You know, the the last probably the last really big thing was, uh, I suppose, this you know grand garden they have, um, and the visit of. Uh, Jia Yuanchun, the the imperial concubine, um, mm-hmm. and that having ended, we're now having almost kind of a little bit of breathing
1: room. Okay, so how about we talk about? Maybe we could jump right to what you referred to as uh, Bao Yu's, you know, kind of maybe creepily peering at um, his sleeping cousins.
0: Yeah, yeah. He so he does this thing, yeah of, of He's awake early and clearly wants to go around and, and, and hang out with them. I think he, you know, very much enjoys being in their presence. And without any real kind of thought to propriety, he just, yeah, pops around into their, into their bedroom and they're both asleep. So he just stands for a moment, kind of looking at them as they sleep. Uh, and then eventually, yeah, uh, Dayu wakes up and and then Xiangyun does as well and then uh, you know they they kind of take it from there i suppose but uh, it <laughs> whether intentional or not there's definitely there's a creepiness there's a creepiness about it and uh, and it's really as much as anything yeah a question of of propriety isn't it there's there's actually a, a bit a little bit further along in the text where Baoyu's maid Shirun and uh Chai, his other cousin are are discussing that this um, kind of situation uh, and so and, and Aroma she says I say nothing against being friendly but this hanging around there morning noon and night is just another matter it's it's like you know he he doesn't seem to know the kind of limits of what's acceptable or, or, or proper you know when to when it's probably better to just kind of do your own thing s- step back slightly I mm. suppose
1: I mean I, I'm kind of of two minds right Uh, On one hand, I see what you're saying. I do think that, uh, you know, uh, Shiren's comment that you just mentioned uh, is at least partly reflective of her sort of jealousies and insecurities. It really does seem to be that um, his various, you know, female companions of his age uh, are sort of vying for his attention in a way that's sort of marked with jealousy and suspicion Mm. Uh, and, and so we saw that with vis a vis his time with uh, Bao Chai. And now we see that I think a little bit with Shiren vis-a-vis his time with uh, with Yu and maybe shehang Yun as well. Um, and so it's a little bit kind of it's hard to kind of parse that.
0: I, I guess so. yeah. I mean she is a servant, right? And so she, although they have this romantic and sexual relationship, and we've talked about it quite a lot in the past and and so forth. I, I think despite them having that relationship, she recognizes there's no way that she is ever going to be, I guess, be his wife. Mm. Proper. Because, exactly, because marriage at this time, you know, is, is very much to do with, it's as much to do with politics as it is to do with, you know, love mm-hmm. or, anything of that sort. Um and so that there's no political value in uh, a nobleman marrying a servant. But that doesn't mean that she couldn't hold some other, you know, a, a concubine or 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 kind of similar type position, I suppose. So mm-hmm. so you
1: so yeah, I like I can kind of see that. Before we move on, I just wanted to point out this nice kind of interesting tidbit where he he mentions that uh Bao Yu observes that it's as if uh the different personalities of Dayu and uh, Shishanyun are represented in the way they're sleeping, and so Dayu yeah. is, nice, is like perfectly wound up, you know, whereas uh, Shishanyun is, Yun yeah. is all over the place, kind of um, hair and hands in in all various directions, and
0: yeah, yeah, limbs poking out from under the duvet, yeah, hair hair spread everywhere. I I get the impression from this scene that I guess even though it ostensibly presents as kind of creepy or stalkerish. It probably comes from a place on his part of wanting to be one of the girls almost. Yes. You know, yeah, like for sure. He, he I don't think he really maybe understands what's improper about sneaking into <laughs> women's bedrooms at nighttime as it were. Um um and he just wants to yeah, he he I guess kind of wants to be, you know, just with them because he feels like he's one of them, and he feels like, yeah, you know.
1: Mm-hmm. And that kind of explains his next... So I'm not sure if that was uh, unusual. I would say that the next, his next action, Bao Yu's next action is unusual, where he... So basically, uh, the girls are cleaning up in, in some kind of mourning capacity. And like once they're finished with the water they're using, he almost insists on using the same water right um is that the is that the impression you got as well
0: i'm not sure if it's necessarily insistence but you're right he says oh well, you know they've they've washed up using this water why don't i just i suppose it's a, you know he feels that he belongs in the same category as them um you know
1: okay um
0: yeah um but yeah that this behavior draws um a, a kind of pointed comment from one of the um um maid servants kingfisher Lu, <laughs> She says <laughs> Basically, so like um <laughs> still uh you still have this um uh, mal being is like really like a literally a, a defect, but really it's a kind of a bad habit, you know, a, a mm-hmm. uh like a some kind of bad trait, basically. Um Yeah, you know
1: so I would say this is his, you know, his usual sort of um obsession borderline uh fixation fetishization really of uh like female sort of attributes yeah activity and his
0: real you know just refusal to just be normal (laughs) quote unquote you know (laughs) he um he just yeah so much in his behavior uh, and his manner goes against what is expected of a person in his position you know Mm. um and you do see this mal being used to describe him uh from multiple different characters. You know, it's um it seems to be a kind of familiar refrain that he's he has he's defective, you know. Uh huh. And so having interrupted them while they're sleeping, um, he then uh asks Xiang Yun to brush his hair and she initially re- refuses, but he, he you know persists and eventually she agrees right and that really struck me as a good example of him just wanting to be one of the girls right
1: mm-hmm. is that before or after he takes another taste of the uh the lipstick <laughs> it's I, it's I'm while kidding. while she's brushing his hair uh
0: that he okay <laughs> yeah um, so
1: he's kind of just rolling through all the things that he said he promised to shiren that he wouldn't do right yeah um, yeah so
0: we we mentioned before that she's been trying to correct some of his kind of worst behavioral traits and mm-hmm. uh yeah one of them was you absolutely must stop she said eating uh she must stop eating people's um makeup um but really i think it's that's kind of a a broader thing a broader thing of like okay. you know you s- stop kind of trying to be a girl maybe you know mm. um okay and and here i don't know we have this quite good scene where he's sitting in front of the the mirror i suppose and there's a little dressing table in front of him and he reaches out and kind of you know dabs a finger in the um in the ru- in the rouge or in the lipstick and kind of brings it up mm-hmm. to his mouth to taste <laughs> and and Xiang Yun stops brushing his hair and she gives him a sharp slap on the back of the hand basically um you know
1: it is very um Demonstrative of his character. uh, For better or for worse, I would say. Um, And it's at this moment when I believe it's... Let me see here. One of them notices that his hairpin is missing a jade. And then this, of course, leads Dayu to... Just, you know, her, like, jealous imagination. Immediately uh, swings in and, and imagines... His, you know, uh, surreptitiously giving that jade to another girl. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, exactly. That's. I guess that's the first, you know, jade related. We're gonna have another jade related uh, incident later in the chapter, which uh, almost harkens back to his throwing the jade in chapter three. Three. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But but yeah, as we've as we've talked about before, jade and Baoyu are are kind of almost um interchangeable right i mean his his name means precious jade he has this this magical stone jade which he wears on a string around his neck um and yeah in the in the the five cycles system the wuxing um w- you know we've kind of identified that he's very strongly associated with with kind of jade i suppose um
1: mm. yeah so maybe we, this is the moment when he goes back and he discovers that uh Shiren, uh Aroma, is not happy.
0: Hmm. Yeah, she's she's been talking to his other cousin, uh Shuabal Chai in, in his absence, right?
1: Okay, yeah. Maybe we, do you want to talk about that or
0: they just they they have a, a it doesn't seem like a very long chat. Um no. No. but basically Bao Chai comes around asking where Bao Yu is and Aroma says that he's not there and while you know while Bao Chai is there she, here and takes the opportunity to say you know he's always off spending time with his female cousins and you know this is there's nothing wrong with it in principle but he he does it too much you know uh, so, I mean the Chinese there's a couple of bits she uses which I think don't necessarily come through in the hawks. So she she says, fun. So it's something like, you know, you must think of one must think of propriety or, or you know, proper boundaries, we might say. Mm-hmm. W- one thing that definitely comes across from that scene where he kind of sneaks into the bedroom is that he doesn't have much of a sense of boundaries, or if he does, he doesn't have much respect for them. Mm-hmm. Um uh, and then she uses this one other phrase to say that Although she tells him that he ought not to do These various bad things He doesn't really listen She describes it as um, Er pang feng So literally a wind next to the ear
1: uh-huh. It goes right in one ear and out the other kind of. Idea. Exactly
0: that, That's exactly what, the way I thought of it um, mm-hmm. Hawks uses the phrase a waste of breath But you know The the, the idea is, is the same Um, um and so from this, Baal Chai gets the impression that Xiren si is, you know, she's a she's a smart girl despite not kind of having much in the way of formal education. Mm. So yeah. she kind of sits. Hmm.
1: Yeah, maybe they share kind of the same uh, predispos- predisposition towards sort of order and uh, like hierarchy. And maybe I, I could see that as being kind of a similar characters, almost, in some in some vague yeah,
0: way. Yeah, I think she maybe sees a kind of potential ally in her, you mm-hmm. know?
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. So, at this point, Yu comes back, and just as he's coming in, Chai, you know, takes her as her cue to leave. Mm. And he, yeah, he discovers that Aroma is, she's in a bad mood with him.
1: Yeah, she's giving him the silent treatment, you could say, right? And so he has to sort of uh deduce what cause of her uh consternation really is. I guess his strategy is sort of to withdraw from everything, right? And so he spends hmm. most of the day kind of in his inner chambers of his uh of his part of the house. Uh and he sends all of all of these maids away only this this is the moment where he's only willing to talk with uh these two maids mm-hmm. and uh and also kind of indirectly there's a lot of kind of passive aggressive energy in the scene uh
0: yeah absolutely i i mean there's one earlier point when i think he's pretending to be asleep oh yeah okay. and uh Sh-Shirin comes in and puts a blanket on him and then once she turns away he pushes the blanket off onto the floor and then continues to pretend being yeah, asleep, yeah. you know. So it's it's very much that it's quite it is quite teenage, you know. It's uh-huh. petty and and as you say, very passive aggressive.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's the first uh, passive aggressive moment. The next is when he is sort of loudly. There's this whole issue um, with the renaming of the one the one made, and this is actually good for us to go over because it really doesn't translate. Uh, it's, it's even in the original the kind of the underlying uh logic the reasoning behind this this scene is not immediately obvious and so we should probably spend a little time discussing the the renaming of so in the Hawks it's citronella whose original mm-hmm. name was soldanella uh but who has been renamed by aroma to to citronella mm-hmm. And so if we go through, okay, so the original name in, in the Chinese is Yunshang, and the new name is Shang. And these are both sort of highly fragrant uh, flowers associated yep. with, and so like for instance, the, uh, the Huishang or the Hui is sometimes considered uh, kind of a, the, the classical expression for it is Peilan, a sort of um, like a, a girdle belt orchid and so it's basically you would have this this would be for for women and they would have this sort of small purse which would be filled with something akin to potpourri uh and maybe it was used sort of as just something kind of attractive maybe also a deodorant it also might have had some pseudo medicinal purposes and uses maybe was considered i read somewhere that it was said to um Sort of ward off certain diseases and epidemics. So you're
0: carrying a kind of air freshener
1: Basically. on your belt. But it's, it's also it's also <laughs> attractive. You know, it's going to be this is the kind of stuff that's going to shiran. It's going to attract people. And so, mm-hmm. um, and so, I was wondering, okay, why would why would uh, Hua Shiren, uh, who all, whose name is also you know is related. And again, it's again the the flowers that attract people. And I was wondering why would she. Uh, insist on renaming this maid from yun shang to hui shang and so it's the same shang which is just um we've seen that before for like a fragrance or a you know a smell and there's a few explanations uh and so in the uh jirian jai commentary he says something to the effect of um uh yun shang is uh it's more uh how do you like kind of uh is it kind, kind of, of like vulgar about in, in a derogatory sense right mm-hmm. and and then he says uh yeah he says like you know uh, uh like you know hui shang is much more kind of um elegant
0: uh it's refined i see
1: yeah and and so maybe one interpretation is that uh Shiran is trying to demonstrate her kind of uh her class. You know, she's trying to show.
0: Oh, sh- she's she yeah, she's now erudite and and
1: Okay. And so that's, that's that's explanation number 1. Explanation number 2 is that we will recall that uh it was in chapter 8. eight. And you know, yeah. uh Shiren had set out all these uh kind of drawing uh painting utensils for um for Bao Yu to do calligraphy with. And he ended up only doing three characters. The three characters he did were the was the name of his his study. And the name of the study is Zhang Yun And so it's like the uh the purple yun pavilion. And so it's the same uh the same flower that's in Yun And so one idea, another idea there was that like, okay, if the master's chamber is named Zhang Yunshuan, you don't get to be called Yunshan because it's, you know, it's like kind of, um, you know, he's in charge. You don't yeah. get to steal his name. It's almost like a naming taboo kind of thing. And we're going to see later in the in yeah. the, uh, in the the novel, we're going to see actually that Xiangling, Zhenxuan's daughter who was stolen, whose original name was uh, Yinglian, has been renamed Xiangling. And she's going to be renamed again later in... In the novel, on account of her name being too close to the name of the the woman uh, she she'll be serving or subordinate to, and so you see constantly these kinds of like this, this, is, this is a tradition of like naming and renaming and, and these naming taboos hmm. and prohibitions, and so that might be one explanation for what's going on here with um, why Shiran uh, renamed this particular ina- made what's um less sort of a- ambiguous is uh it seems pretty obvious that uh baoyu renames her again just as a kind of on account of his being angry with with shiren and so it's like kind of, this is another passive aggressive sort of uh behavior right yeah yeah he
0: says he says you know you all have um floral names you know, none of you are good enough to deserve these names. Yeah, you know, you're yes, you're, yes, you're very an insult petty. to nice, decent flowers, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah. He even says you should be renamed uh something like the like Kui or something. What's what's the exact Yeah,
0: name? so the so he's you know, they're they're discussing in the hawks, she's saying she used to be called Soldanella, and now she's renamed Citronella. And he says, I don't know why she didn't call you citric acid and have done with it. Which kind of captures the spirit of it. It's a rather kind of like poor effort at wordplay. Um, in the Chinese, as we recall, she was renamed Hui Xiang. And he says, I don't know why she didn't just call you Hui Qi. Mm-hmm. Which is different characters, but they mean kind of something like unlucky.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and Qi is a little bit like, it's semi-synonymous with Xiang. You know, you, you can see that Qi is made to wind and hence to scent and so it's kind of a clever play on words uh and he says it in a loud way so like it's very clear that uh is you know nearby overhearing and probably silently fuming that kind of, that kind of thing um
0: but we hear that actually she uh, Siren uh, and and Musk uh show you the other mm-hmm. um mate, who's kind of her her, th-
1: her like partner partner in crime or yeah, uh, yeah. Her kind of ally, ally yeah, yeah. They,
0: they actually they actually find it quite funny they think he's being ridiculous mm-hmm. which of course he is mm-hmm. um and so he says that he's going to call this new maid number 4 yeah sir sir
1: i think uh yeah well, it, yeah yeah <laughs> um which is like not I, I don't know what i think about it. it doesn't sound like a good name to be honest especially given the sort of the unlucky associations of the number four in Chinese um
0: which yeah sounds like but this I name
1: sticks because I, I she's referred to as sir like much later in the story as well uh I, I don't know if this is a kind of a critique of of Yu where you know even though his every like emotion has these like deep consequences for a number of different people and so he's, he's constantly like uh even with his good intentions, he ends up hurting a lot of people uh you know on account of his inability to like control himself or predict the res- the consequences of his behavior mm-hmm. um so that's all all very interesting and
0: i suppose to to kind of lay groundwork for the future we we have a passing reference uh in this section to suar being um in the hawks um a designing little mm. minx uh, okay but really yeah uh it, the chinese is guai chiao bu de yato uh so yato being a, a girl or servant yeah uh guai chiao bu being um yeah like very ingenious or kind of clever scheming mm. you know um and she is planning to kind of you know she has her own designs on, on, on value and, and on kind of wrapping him around her little finger, I I suppose. I mean,
1: this Um, happens, I think this is endemic to these highly hierarchical societies where you constantly have the, hmm. the only, you know, means of advancement for a lot of people is just, just nonstop scheme, like scheming and and cunning and, you know, duplicitousness. It's just sort of a, I think it's, kind of characteristic of this society, uh, of any hierarchical society, arguably. Mm. Um, Uh, Yeah. (laughs)
0: Yeah, for a servant girl in that position, I think exactly the only, the way you you might kind of hope to advance is Mm -hmm. exactly that, to try to use whatever means you have at your disposal to win favor with one of your superiors and in doing so, bring yourself Mm up.
1: So this is the moment when he you know he becomes reflective and intellectual which is always uh some of the best Yu moments are he like finally gets around to studying <laughs> like even a little bit <laughs> uh
0: yeah so what 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 does he what does he study what does he pick so up so he
1: is reading uh the drongsa which i think we've talked about at least once or or twice before uh, I think we talked about how one of the poems in chapter five referenced the the difference between uh, small dream and big dream da mung, mm-hmm. and uh, that ex- th- that notion seems to um, be a reference to or originate in the Zhuangzi.
0: So just to to start with absolute basics, uh, in in Taoism, probably mm-hmm. the foundational text is the. Dao Jing, which is yeah. attributed to the philosopher Lao Tzu. Yeah. Lao Anyway. Um mm-hmm. and um this text, the Zhuangzi, is probably the second most important one. Um mm-hmm. and y- yeah, we know that Zhuangzi was a a pre Qin, so pre kind of imperial um Taoist philosopher. Um mm-hmm. And his work is, is really interesting and quite different mm-hmm. from the kind of the sort of Confucian mainstream of Chinese philosophy.
1: Yeah, you know, it's really worth, you know, anyone would I recommend, you know, Chinese texts in general or Chinese philosophical texts in particular? This is probably this is always at the top of the list. Um, it really stands out for there's so many um Colorful stories and really like, it's really wondrous. It has a very kind of, the text is unusually poetic, um, for for a text that really has some fairly significant philosophical material as well. It's not at all um, plotting or tedious like some of these things are. Mm-hmm. It's really uh, kind of deeply artistic, and so it's and so it's really been beloved for thousands of years, rightly so. Yeah. Um and so this this particular passage is is no exception. Um, the 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 gist basically is that you know this idea that you know if you have something precious and you and you lock it up or you seal it away, the very act of concealing it is a kind of way to signify or to show that there's something of value here. And so there's this kind of this tension, this paradox, this contradiction there. Uh, and, and so the text. Uh, comes very close to sort of advocating you know you know if you don't have you know precious goods and precious material objects they can't be stolen right uh and so it's advocating a kind of return to nature return to uh something that's simple and immediate um at least in this one particular moment You'll, you'll find different passages from the same text that you know, what will we'll emphasize different things. So I don't want to say it's completely, it's not like a Luddite sort of uh, <laughs> like anti-technology text, but it, it is particularly this passage, um, which very much, this passage has a, it feels to me like a passage from the Lao Tzu, uh, more so than some other um, drongs and material. This is from the outer, I mean, I don't want to talk too much about this, but yeah, that's, that's a gist of it. It
0: follows a, a fairly straightforward rhetorical form, which is, do this thing and do that thing, you know, do these things that are kind of thematically similar and you will achieve this good outcome. Mm-hmm. Do these other things that are thematically similar and you will achieve this other good outcome. Yes. And and on and and that, so that's kind of, you know, so so I mean it's um if you confuse the pitch pipes, break up the organs, unstring the zit the zithers and stop up Shi Kuang's ears, mm-hmm. people will begin to make proper use of their own hearing, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, if you do these various things. And and normally the things that he's advocating, I guess, would go directly counter to much of the kind of Confucian orthodoxy, you know, of, of following the correct ceremony and observing the correct rituals. Um, and he's saying, no, destroy those things, get rid of these things, and then this natural harmonic state will emerge, something along those lines.
1: So so don't play Beethoven, uh play four thirty three <laughs> by John Cage. <laughs> uh just, just revel in silence for a few minutes and then call it a day. Yep. Um, um. <laughs> something along those lines. Um something like that. And yeah.
0: so what he he adapts this, doesn't he? Bayou adapts this as a way of you know venting his aggrieved feelings.
1: And so what he says, I'll read from the Hawks here. Away then with musk and aroma and the female tongue will cease from wagging. Discard Chai's heavenly beauty. Destroy Dayu's divine intelligence. Utterly abolish all tender feelings and the female heart will cease from envy. Uh, And so on and so forth.
0: Yeah, so we... uh, I mean, I think we've all... It kind of works though, right? We've all been there at one time or another, right? Like this is... uh... <laughs> in the modern context this is uh, the facebook post where you're like i'm so done with drama and the haters you know <laughs> isn't it doesn't it sound a bit like that to you i mean a bit more kind of literary and refined i suppose but um you know
1: i mean the reason it really works here is because all of these you know all of his female companions all of their names are these so the Drongs of passage was, uh, you know, criticizing ornament, mm-hmm. and all of their names are these ornamental things like aroma and musk, and uh, precious hairpins and precious jades, or you know, black jades. You know, like it's, it's kind of it kind of works because all of their names are so ornamental. You know, it, it is return to the source. I guess I, I don't know. Just like like aesthetically, it, I, I I thought it was kind of fitting, even though it was. Just, I think in the end, um, yeah, just like venting in a, in a literary form. Yeah.